Why can't you just let it go? Because. Because why? Because I can't. Why? Because I was happy. Because if this theory is wrong, men don't leave all women. Eddie, they leave me. Hey everyone, John here. Just a quick word of warning. Uh, we will be spoiling this film in its entirety. So if you have not seen this film and you don't want it spoiled for you, uh, just hit pause real quick and go and watch the movie and then come back and enjoy the show. to another episode of Surviving Chick Flicks. I'm John. I'm Sammy. I'm Joseph. And this week we are living up to our name because we, I, I think we haven't gone this chick flicky in a while. <laughs> because <laughs> this week we are talking about the You're 2000... welcome. <laughs> sure, thanks. Uh, this week we are talking about the 2001, and that's important. that date's important, uh, romantic comedy. Uh, someone like you, uh, starring Wolverine, <laughs> and uh, the less musically talented Judd. <laughs> so why don't we play the trailer, and then we're gonna, and then Sammy's gonna help us navigate this because this one's one of this is a Sammy pick, obviously, <laughs> and we're gonna, you know, let her defend. Or make her case. You are the only one I haven't met yet. I'm Ray Brown. Jane Goodall. From the moment they met. Jane, you want me to turn the AC up? You're looking a little flushed. She thought he was the man of her dreams. Every time I'm not with you, I'm thinking about you. She never expected. He asked you to live with him? Wow. He'd be the one. Jane. Yeah? It's over, Jane. To wreck her life. Don't cry. Don't cry, um, You're gonna be fine. Okay. Now, Jane has to move on. My apartment's been re-rented, and I have got to be out of here by Monday. Why don't you move in with me? You're moving in with Eddie? Yeah. The place I was supposed to move into just suddenly fell apart. Luckily, her new roommate has a lot of experience. Romance, true love, none of it exists. And he's teaching her more. What is on your neck? I bit myself shaving. Than she ever wanted to know. What's this, party Viagra? You left these earrings in my bathroom. You don't waste any time, do you? Don't underestimate casual sex, Jane. It's very liberating. The truth is, less than 5% of all male animals are monogamous. Jane, these are people, not cows. This is why men can't commit. It's the biological urge to spread their seed. I worry about you, Jane. I really do. I miss you, Jane. I thought you were over this. I'm having second thoughts. No, I forbid it. What are you thinking? You and Ray gonna live happily ever after with your matching Volvos and chocolate labs. Did you have any friends growing up? 20th Century Fox presents... Why are you doing this to yourself? Because if I'm wrong, men don't leave all women. They leave me. Maybe that's why we hold on as hard as we do. You know, we just can't believe that such a miracle can ever happen to us twice. Someday you'll find it again. Couldn't sleep. No. Me neither. Ashley Judd. Greg Kinnear. 
Hugh Jackman, Marissa Tomei. You were a cheerleader. Yes, I was. Show me. Go on. In the story of a woman who thought she had it all figured out. Do you promise not to laugh? No. And the last man she ever expected. Whoa. To change her mind. I hate you. Someone like you. All right. Someone like you. Or, as it's called in the United Kingdom, Animal Attraction, starring Ashley Judd. No. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Why was it the U.S. version? I don't know. We'll get into that. Uh, Starring Ashley Judd, Greg Kinnear, Hugh Jackman, Marissa Tomei, Ellen Barkin, based on the novel Animal Husbandry by Laura Zygman, directed by Tony Goldwyn. No. There's a lot. Yes. So... I didn't write out a plot synopsis this week, and I want to go ahead and start here. But basically, this is high fidelity, where where if you take out references to pop culture and then replace it with a woman in doomed relationships comparing herself to a cow. I am not fucking kidding. (laughs) Don't be so... Don't be so rude. direct... Honestly, you know what? I, whenever I was watching this movie, I was getting shades of high fidelity. It's just instead of, you know, dissecting an Elvis Costello record on the side, we're talking about cows for some reason. But Okay, not, you know what? The, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say all I heard was you compared this to high fidelity, and we're going to leave it at that. <laughs> is, that where you, that's where you're hanging your hope. Cool. Uh, so, but before we get into the cow debate, um, let's ask the, the age-old question of Joseph, Sammy, when was the first time you saw this movie? Sammy, when did you first see this <laughs> yeah, movie? Yeah, Sammy. I, since I'm sure you really know. I hate both of you. Um, <laughs> I want to say, I ha- I'm fairly confident in this answer that I was in college when I saw it um I know it was out on yeah it had to be so I it was out on Netflix when I came across it so um sometime after Netflix became a thing and not just like Netflix that you ordered you know with the DVD that showed up at your house three to five days later sure grandma let's get you back to the home (laughs) (laughs) like the actual streaming Netflix so it it had to be have been sometime in college when I first saw it and it was one of those I was looking around for a romantic comedy to watch and I came across it and I saw who was in it and I went oh Hugh Jackman so what the hell um, so you were seeking this out <laughs> <laughs> well not not exactly I was just seeking out some type of romantic comedy to watch and I came across it and I just thought sure why not um, I'll give it a try and because I had seen Hugh Jackman in only one other similar type movie and that was Kate and Leopold um, okay, we'll come back to that actually in a little bit because anecdote uh, later. So anyway, that's kind of how, how I came across it. Okay, John Joseph. Oh me. Um, okay, so like I think a week ago because this episode's kind of gotten delayed a couple of t- times. So I think it was a week ago when I watched it, and also it was a week ago when the last time I watched it. So. 
we're we're doing this episode on based on John's memory. <laughs> Joseph? Um yeah, since this episode has been delayed a little bit. Uh, it it was, got delayed while we were setting up. Yeah. Well, it was at least a few days ago because it was one of those like I've never seen it before. I Which, honestly didn't know anything about the movie until I started seeing it. I was like, oh, I kind of vaguely remember seeing trailers for it back in the day. Vaguely. I I don't remember trailers, but it, this is one of those movies like I remember it existed. It, it just showed up somewhere and then kind of like Wedding Crashers and, um, you know, like full screen copies of There's Someone Like You. It always, it seems like, uh, or There's Something About Mary. It, it always seems like there was a copy of this in a used DVD store somewhere. And it was just yeah. like, yeah, and I would just see it and I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to watch that. And here we are. <laughs> and then you met me. Yeah, then I met Sammy. <laughs> and we just take turns each week punishing each other, quote unquote. See, you know, I went into this movie knowing absolutely nothing. Yeah. I'm actually kind of surprised, Joseph, that you hadn't seen it before because this does seem like the kind of movie your ex-wife would have made you watch at some point. You know... I'm really surprised as well, because, yeah, this would have been perfect movie for her to thrust upon yeah. me. Yeah. So, um... With this movie, I have seen a lot worse, so... Well, yeah, we all have. So whether we survived this movie or not, I think we can all safely say we have seen worse movies than someone like you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Tammy and the T-Rex exist. No. I'm going to need you to let that go. <laughs> I said I was sorry. I think. You know what? Did you? I'm not sure you ever did. I think I said I wasn't sure if I survived that movie either. So. That is fair. I think I took the cop out answer. And no, not referencing the movie Cop Out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Um. I guess the first thing we probably should touch on, because we've already mentioned it, is the whole basis of the movie, which is the old cow, new cow theory, which she kind of comes right out of the gate with, which I understand is a little bit jarring. It was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well uh, first I, I mean, like, I'm going to hate <laughs> Yeah. Well, and to be fair, I mean, I think that was the whole point of the book, too, which is why it has the dumb animal titles uh, for the book and the UK release. So, you know, it's not like something they pulled out of their ass. An author did that. (laughs) Right. And uh, it it does make more sense later on. Like, she started with the theory and then she moved into how she came to that theory. So, I mean, honestly, I was fine with that. And I liked the narrative exposition of the film. Like, you know what it kind of reminded me of? Although, granted, I think technically it reminds me of He's Just Not That Into You. Technically, He's Just Not That Into You, I think, is a better film for a Um, lot of reasons. Not not to uh, spoil my feelings. Uh, Yeah, I agree with you. Um, However, some of what they did with this film... Um, was sort of reminded me of that. I just think that he's just not that in you. Like, this movie carried it 
you know, partway down the field. And yeah. he's just not that into you, carried it all the way into the end zone. Like, they yeah. figured out what was supposed to happen. Well, and let's look at what we're kind of doing comparisons. Like, I compared it to High Fidelity, which that movie and that book basically was comparing his relationships to his feelings about popular culture. Like, you know, um, you know, it was like, was I miserable because I listened to pop music or uh, did I listen to pop music because I was miserable? So that's kind of where I got my high fidelity com- um, comparison. But all three of these books are books about relationships and why they are doomed to fail. Hmm. And so the movies, you know, and I understand that he's not that he's just nothing into you. The book is more of a nonfiction kind of a humorous book because it was, I, I say humorous because it was, you know, written by two comedians. You know, I, I'm assuming there because I've never read that book and I will never read that book. I'm just saying I'm never going to read that book. But. Oh, yeah. No, no, that's what I was saying. It was the first film that was outdated after the attack. So it. Yeah had that nice little distinction which i didn't even notice i didn't i only noticed it because i did see the twin towers I'm like okay when 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 did this movie come out in 2001 like i was reading up on it i was honestly just reading up to get like any information about this movie and it's just like uh i think timmy and the t-rex barely had more information just because i had joe bob briggs there to give me context one week on how a lot of things happened. Meanwhile, this had the world's most uninformative uh, commentary and like no production notes on Wikipedia or IMDb either. I just know Tony Goldwyn who got his start. He's mostly an actor. He's, he's directed more TV than he has films, but he got his start uh, getting killed by Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th part six. That's how he began his career. But in that commentary, he was just like, the most important thing was we had to shoot this movie in New York. So many movies, uh, you know, shoot in Toronto or Vancouver to make it look like New York. But we had to do it in New York. And I'm just like, other than Twin Towers, this movie could have taken place anywhere, Tony. It did make that much of a damn difference. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But it is kind of it is kind of nice that they decided to do that. Yeah. Um, Well, well, there is one thing that is pretty uh, relevant to to New York and other places in the fact that uh, they got that apartment that they were living in because it was rent controlled. And that is a big thing in New York and checking the obituaries and where they live is a thing that happens. So. Yeah. I, you know what? I made a note about that. Cause I, um, I was going to see that was under, I, I just had the question. Okay. Do y'all think that was creepy or genius checking out the rent controlled apartments of dead people? Yes. I think it's <laughs> right. It's a, it is a little creepy, but at the same time, New York is not a cheap place to live. So if you can, you know, sweet talk your way into taking over someone's lease who'd been living there since like the, the you know, the thirties, you know, back when New York was still slightly mob run. Yeah. Then you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. It's just good financial <laughs> sense. <laughs> Um, so what was I it, I, what was oh, it the, in uh, when Harry met Sally? 
<laughs> they said they, they should combine uh, the obituaries with the apartment listing, listings. Like, and he, <laughs> le- he leaves behind a wife and child and a nice double <laughs> two-bedroom on the Upper East Side. <laughs> I don't know if some of the lack of info, like, some of the lack of information shocks me because, and you may know more about this, was this pre-most of their their career because this film does have some kind of heavy hitters. I mean, Ashley Judd hasn't had a small career necessarily, but she hasn't no. had quite the career that Greg Kinnear and Hugh Jackman have had, but they've they've had pretty, pretty impressive careers. Yeah. I don't know when Ashley kind of burst onto the scene. The first movie that I know she was a part of was Kiss the Girls in the mid-90s. I couldn't tell you what she did before that um, because, you know, honestly, about the time Winona's time of the spotlight was starting to wind down, Ashley kind of picked up the ball and went running because I think by that point, uh, the Judds had called it quits and um, Country Radio kind of turned her their backs on Winona after a certain point because she wasn't doing the Judds music anymore. <laughs> Again, listen to Cocaine and Rhinestones, but also, this is, don't take what I'm about to say wrong, but it doesn't surprise me that there's not a lot of production information about this movie, because this isn't one of those movies that, and honestly, movies like Tammy and the T-Rex, I'm surprised, you know, we only, you know, only now is there a market that would want to know how the hell this movie came together. Like, this is just a movie that exists, you know. And it pro- it probably had some amusing anecdotes to the, to the making of it, but it's not like we're talking about The Godfather or Chinatown or something that has a long story production history. This is just a romantic comedy that's shot in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this came out in 2001, and by this time, Hugh Jackman was already cemented as Wolverine. Yeah. But I don't think he was huge yet. Like, he was starting to get huge. No, he was he was still having to do the rom-com leads. Because yes. after X-Men, he did this. And then he did Kate and Leopold, which uh, was the second Hugh Jackman movie I ever saw. Yeah, and so... Uh, same, it, I think. It was not hard to get him for this movie. And actually, Judd was just known for doing these type of movies as well. Along with, like, Kiss the Girls and Double Jeopardy. Yeah, it was just like, Ashley Judd's career is is either, like, you are the girl that's going to get the guy by the end of the movie, or you're going to find out who the killer was. Yeah, those were mostly her those, movies. Those and are, yeah. I think known for doing these type of movies, too. Yeah, and I think the, the only exception to that role for Ashley Judd was uh, the Yaya Sisterhood. It's like, you're just going to have a really hard life and grow up to be Ellen Burstyn. And uh, Marissa Tomei was known for doing these kind of small like little bit parts that were was the kooky best friend or you know no by this point she she was an oscar winner was she really yeah because she won yeah. best supporting actress for uh my cousin Vinny. she actually won for that one <laughs> yes I, Which, I, love that movie. I didn't realize she won for that yeah she won and everyone in the world questioned that because jack palance had won the year before for uh city slickers and everyone thought that he misread the envelope uh, 
and ha- was like beginning to show signs of dementia. And it wasn't until the La La Land fuck up that we realized, like, oh no, <laughs> Jack Palance didn't fuck up. He was just as confused as everyone else. Because <laughs> comedies don't. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was like, because comedies don't necessarily win Oscars. They usually. Oh, that's play. true. But it was one of those. This is. But this is, was in Marissa Tomei's wheelhouse of like oh yeah type of movies, mm. and she did a good job with her role. I thought because yeah, I love Marissa Tomei. Yeah, even though she did basically play Marissa Tomei in this movie. Well, well, what you don't hire Marissa Tomei unless you want her to be a little bit more like no. her. <laughs> no, well, but also let's talk about the fact that this cast is stacked in like five key roles because you've got Ashley Judd the rom-com murder mystery heroine you've got greg kinnear who is known who went from talk soup to doing these types of movies you got hugh jackman who was on his way to becoming an action star but was still doing these movies and then you have marissa tomei and ellen barkin who made their careers long before this movie came along in essentially bit parts and made you think of better days for both of them, but they were still good in what they what they were given to do. Yeah, I don't have any problems with anybody's performance. Their performance was really good. Yeah. Yeah, I think it definitely elevated the material, and th- this film could have been a whole lot worse in lesser hands, but I do think there was something about the story that must have drawn all of them to the film. Um, um, no, I can tell you what, that's what drew them to it. It's like, you're going to pay me to do this? Okay. And, and I think, I think people forget too, with Hugh, where Hugh Jackman is concerned that, because what a lot of people's first thing they remember him in as Wolverine, but he has a very versatile, and I wouldn't even just say range, but I would say area of interest. Yeah. In well, comparison to other actors, there's a lot of things that he has an interest in doing. Yeah, I mean, uh, you and well, you we have a mutual friend that's going to go get to see him do Professor Harold Hill on Broadway, you know, sometime next year, I think, or this year. I need to ask him. <laughs> so well, this is a different role from what he because I had a little bit of a hard time because I know how I know a lot about Hugh Jackman because he's everywhere right now. Yeah. I had almost had a hard time buying him as a womanizer. You see, oh, I, I didn't. didn't. No, <laughs> no, because you know he he's got the gruffness, a little like a fraction of the gruffness he had as Wolverine in this movie. But also, I I I had the one-two punch of seeing him as Wolverine and you know the lead in a rom-com, pretty close together, coupled with the fact that around the time that those were coming out. You know, he got outed as a, for lack of a better word there, uh, as someone that does, that, you know, trained and loves to do and is capable of doing well musical theater. So, you know, I just saw him, you know, like, I bought him as a womanizer in this role. So, but is, is he a womanizer or is he just... Drowning his sorrows in women instead of booze. I think a little bit of both. I say B. I think he's just incredibly cynical. Mm-hmm. And um, I, that's okay. So we can actually talk about it. Um, 
one of my favorite lines in there. I think she describes it perfectly when she says he narcotizes himself with sex, essentially. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and I think they play well off of each other uh, because she is looking for love, whereas he has been burned by love and is just, you know, <laughs> trying to get through his daily life, you know. Okay, so um, I guess we can, I guess we can t- sort of talk about her situation in the film. And my first question is: Is she a hopeless romantic, or is she yes. just incredibly naive? Both. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a little bit of both. Let's think about it. <laughs> She keeps going after men that are completely unavailable. Yeah. Her well, whole, I... oh, oh, falls in, she falls for is already, well, let's face it, three years of dating, he's in a relationship with that person. Yeah. But she's okay with it because, well, he loves me more. And yeah. it's oh, completely dumbfounded that he does not want to tell his one that he's dating that it's over. Said every yeah. woman ever. Yes, and it was just like, come on, you. This was, this was kind of your doing. Yeah, <laughs> you also, you knew what was the situation was. Should this not have been a massive red flag that he was asking her to lunch when he had a serious girlfriend? Uh, yes. What's slightly bigger than a than a flag? A flashing <laughs> light. <laughs> a red like, flashing light. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Joseph. Where we live, red lights mean go. <laughs> you got a point. Yeah. But like, no, I'm talking about like I'm not talking about red lights. I'm talking about like a like those the railroad crossings where the things <laughs> down. It's a, a bunch of flashing lights, and it's just like, no, please don't, no, stop, please stop. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. I have to say this, and I truly hope none of our listeners. Um, <laughs> takes offense to this, but um, and feel free to disagree with me, please. Um, and feel free to send us an email. <laughs> I don't have a lot of theories, or um, I don't even know what you want to call them, cliches I live by, but this is definitely one of them. Um, if he or she doesn't matter, cheats with you, they will mm-hmm. cheat on you. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Like, I'm sorry, you are not so incredibly special that you're going to be the first first person they don't cheat on. Yeah. Well, and she has it in her head that, well, I'm I'm meant for him and everything, and he's meant for me. Like, no, he just got bored and moved to something else, and he's going to do the same with you. <laughs> yeah. And then, shocker of all shocks, moved back to the one he left. <laughs> exactly. Which, guys, that say- wasn't supposed to happen because yeah. she was old cow. <laughs> he's not supposed to go to old cow no. he wants new cow no she was Ellen okay real quick first was anyone shocked that D was their boss no uh, no No. okay uh, also everyone wants Ellen Barkin especially coked up uh, Al Pacino and Seal Bluff <laughs> <laughs> he ripped her panties off like literally <laughs> <laughs> that's also around the part uh uh, the era when Al Pacino stopped uh, acting and just started yelling. Mm. That, was the, that was the transitional moment. 
Okay, so I, I guess we do have to kind of, just to give some context first, I think we do need to talk about this whole theory, right, that the film is based on. And it's the theory that um, cows are similar to, to men, um, which is, you know, not entirely off base. Wrong farm animal, I personally think. Ahem, ahem, ahem. But I digress. Um <clears throat> And her whole theory is, which came from her reading a magazine after her tragic breakup with Greg Kinnear's character, is that, like cows, men um, are sort of biologically predisposed to have to um, sow their wild oats, I guess you could say. And so, once they've been somewhere That's where I went wrong. or been with a person, they have no interest in being with that same person and they've got to go seek out something new. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it, and I do mean this pun intended. I think this theory's bullshit. <laughs> it, it is bullshit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there, are, there are men that fit this criteria. Oh, absolutely. But there are also women who fit this criteria as well. Exactly. I have no idea to what you are referring. And if either one of you compare a female to a cow, we're going to have a whole other issue. Well, we're not in the UK, but where that comparison where women get called cows a lot, because that's just a common expression of that. But no, I'm I'm saying within the confines of this, or the definitions of this dumbass theory that this magazine article uh, presented, it's, you know, there are people of all genders and all walks of life that one person one time and move on to new cow. And then there are cows of all genders and uh, that want the cow that wants them. <laughs> so this. Everybody's a cow. Yeah. <laughs> Doja Cat was right. <laughs> Bitch, I'm a cow. Bitch, I'm a cow. <laughs> I say move. I'm glad Sammy has no idea what we're talking about. Oh, it's, it's so good. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, no, it's the, one was, of the worst thing ever. Thinking, this was made in 2001, so I don't know. It might have worked, but honestly, do you guys think had this movie been reversed and this been about a man calling women cows, this would have been an issue? <laughs> well, I, I, I think this movie would have gotten a whole lot more notoriety than it did in its original incarnation. Well, that was one of my problems is like it's the way the movie frames her is she's the hero of the movie or she's the it frames her in a, in a good light even though she's making terrible decisions as you do uh, well that's fair and I do agree with that I think but that's kind of what I like about it to be honest because she is a very but, very flawed protagonist in that she's not not only is she naive in the fact that she thought this she had this idea that when she was knowingly sleeping with a man that was in a serious relationship that he was just somehow going to choose her she found some she found some wild theory to blame it on instead of her own doing instead of her instead of looking at maybe what her kind of her culpability in the whole situation for lack of a better word. Um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. But she comes to acknowledge that. And I do think that was 
a big part of Hugh Jackman's purpose or his character's purpose in yeah. the film. Well, and, well, and also the whole the rug gets pulled out of this whole fucking theory because there is a shining example of a man that does not fit this cow bullshit that she's gotten into her head in the form of her own brother-in-law who, you know, in the weirdest twist ever, you know, is whenever they're, because they're trying to get pregnant and then his wife has a miscarriage, which came out of almost nowhere. And then the fact that he's sitting there looking at his sister-in-law and his wife who are in bed crying together after this tragedy and he calls both of them beautiful and is just as much in love with his wife. So, you know, which is the catalyst for her to, you know, realize her entire theory is pun intended bullshit. <laughs> but like I was trying to tell Sammy, like if this would switch the roles around, would this movie would not be well received and it would just be come off as just disgusting. Well, no, the the reverse of this is Sex in the City, wouldn't it be? I kind oh, of. No. Oh, no, no, wait. No, no, wait, wait. I, I'm backtracking. The reverse of this is High Fidelity. Mm. Okay. Which, in, and again, instead of cows, it's records and, you know, film references. I mean, because if you look at High Fidelity, really, especially if you've read the book, Rob, Dick, and Barry are actually three terrible people, <laughs> especially Rob. I mean, and he even goes so far as to list the five reasons why he is, to quote the movie, a fucking asshole, <laughs> and is still the hero of the movie and still gets the girl in the end. Okay. Well, and I, 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 yeah, and I can have an appreciation for that because not only do I think that when a film chooses to do that with their protagonist, they're, it's self-aware. I think it's more identif like people I have an e easier time identifying with a protagonist who's flawed because that's just what people are. Yeah. Right. How many women have would have made the exact same call that she made the exact same, the exact same decisions and would have been wondering and having the exact same questions she had. You know. Yeah. So it's. I think it's a little bit. I like that, and I also liked. Um, I thought the I thought they did a really good job of authentically portraying female relationships. I think that the relationship between her and Marissa Tomei was really really good. It's I think in large part it, it is the way that women talk to each other, the way they communicate. I I thought the dialogue was really good. I I think that they did a really good job in particular with that relationship. Yeah. I I agree. Um, although I do, I forget, I, I do love the, the brother-in-law and her sister, uh, their banter between each other is great. Yeah. And, and they were way too underused in this movie. They were, like, they should have been in this movie a lot more. <laughs> yeah. I loved every minute they were on, on screen together. But that was like the perfect mm -hmm. example of what was flawed with her theory. I mean, mm -hmm. you're right. Like you, you have this example of a very good healthy relationship sitting right in front of you and you're failing to see well and the reason she fails to see it is because we get basically get what like two maybe three scenes with them and the first time we meet them they're kind of bickering with each other and yeah. but at the end of that scene 
she says, I'm sorry. I'll I'll watch the porn with you this time. (laughs) (laughs) The most romantic words ever uttered. You know, right? If the woman would say that to me, I'd be like, well, you know, that's the most romantic thing you've ever said to me. Yeah. Also, who are you and how did you get in my house? Exactly. (laughs) That would be my second question. So I want to talk a little, I mean, let's talk a little bit about Greg Kinnear's character. Because personally, where everybody else seems to me to be kind of an authentic realistic character he's more of a i mean he definitely his stereotype exists but he's more of a caricature yeah he he really is i i think the one thing i do appreciate about his role here instead of and this may be showing my ignorance because i haven't watched the entire oeuvre of uh greg kinnear but in my head he's always the romantic lead you know, the guy that's supposed to get the girl at the end of the movie, and then here he is the asshole, which I kind of like. Yeah. And he's not even, like, well, I was going to say he's not a detestable asshole, but, I mean, he does cheat on his girlfriend with Ashley Judd and then leaves Ashley Judd for his boss. And and then keeps leading her on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, no, he's pretty much a great-A asshole. In fact, yeah. here's one of my questions for y'all. What's worse? In your perspective, which one of them made the the bigger mistake in this? Her believing him after everything he's done or him backing out knowing she had already re-rented her apartment, so knowing he was going to be leaving her homeless? I'm I'm going to go with him just because yeah. I don't want to sit here and say the woman was wrong for believing the man. You know? <laughs> well, I would just say that because he knew what kind of predicament it was going to put her in and just didn't give a shit anyways. Because it served his needs at the time, whatever he wanted to do. Now, she is at fault for believing the bullshit coming out of his mouth. (laughs) Yeah. But then he had the audacity to act like he was upset when she decided to move in with Eddie. Yeah, Yeah, and that was stupid, too. I was like, you have no reason to be upset. Yeah. Also, why are you still in this conversation? <laughs> you sh- you should have exited stage left a while ago. <laughs> also, <laughs> solid choice on her part moving in with Eddie. I mean, that I mean, not I a had, bad idea at all. I think 100% of the people on this phone call would move in with Hugh Jackman if the opportunity was right there on a bulletin board. Of course. Yeah. Who would not live with Hugh Jackman? Yeah. This is true. Yeah, because first of all, he's talented. He's going to be able to sing to you. He'll he'll feed you Chinese food at three in the morning. Okay. <laughs> in his underwear. What is not to love? First of all, this movie left me with very complicated feelings about why in the world I never had a roommate that looked like Hugh Jackman and walked around in his boxers all the time. This seems very unfair. Um, um, Sammy, I'm gonna break. I'm gonna have to disappoint you that most human beings on this planet don't look like Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Sad but true. Yeah. Um, no, I, but now that you bring it up, okay, so this is one of my other questions. Do, do y'all think that it was a, a little quick that they, I mean, obviously they were friends, but how good of the relationship do you think they had that they'd maybe been living together, I don't know, a few weeks, a month, and they're already just chilling in their underwear? Um, I, I would say that there is 
no length of time outside of a relationship where you're sleeping together do you just hang out in your underwear. Look, you got for this is the way it is nowadays, okay? Yeah. When you move into somebody, it doesn't matter what it is, you're just gonna hang out with them in your underwear. No questions asked. Yeah. Just it's just it's how it goes now. Joseph Joseph, this only happens in movies and pornos. <laughs> Okay, and in well, one of those, and one of, the, in one of those, the underwear doesn't stay on very long. Okay, well, to be fair, that is the basis for most of my worldview. So, more <laughs> <Four notes. laughs> um, Is that why uh, yeah, every time the pizza delivery guy shows up, you strip down just in case? That's not the only reason. Oh, uh, <laughs> sometimes they just leave the pizza and don't make me pay. <laughs> That that is the other reason. <laughs> for the sake of our for the sake of our listener, I'm gonna like steer, <laughs> I'm gonna steer us back to uh you know Chinese food in the movie and oh. underwear. Um No, I and the funny thing is that wasn't the most cringy thing in that scene. Like I actually loved it. I I did think it was kind of funny because at least the way that they did it, it wasn't like they were purposely hanging out in their underwear. Like initially, she covered herself with a paper towel, but um, which was an improv, by the way, on Ashley Judd's part, which is smart because I think that's authentic, right? Like they they were only sort of friends, and then it just I you know because I wouldn't be that weird for a dude to be walking around in his boxers necessarily. It is his home. Yeah, I mean, I I think they were better friends, you know, than maybe the first part of the movie left. Let's out, but they're work friends, you know. Right. Um, and then suddenly she's breaking out into cheer, which um, <laughs> leaves me with some questions. Um, one of which is, how would you feel if you would you have any issues at all if you had had a one night stand with somebody or went home with somebody to wake up in the middle of the night to their um attractive opposite sex roommate in their underwear i i guess cheerleading well i mean in y'all's case you probably wouldn't care no no <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna go with joseph on it no um which uh by the way that cheer was written specifically for ashley judd by the cheerleading squad of uh whatever college i knew this answer like a week ago <laughs> i think it was it wasn't her college but it was a it was a school in the area that she went to school yeah and because she was like a diehard fan of them because mm-hmm. she reached out and also um nora efron who wrote you've got mail and when harry met sally and all it's just you know genius altogether. uh she was responsible for giving the Oh, for lack of a better term, the meat to that scene and helping expand it from what it was into showing that they had more of a connection. So that's what led to the Chinese food and the cheering and all that. <clears throat> well, they they were kind of surprisingly alike for mm-hmm. how different they were. I mean, they they, they had are yin more and yang. Simil- yeah, they had more similarities though than I think that they realized. They just mm-hmm. they had both gone through a similar thing. They just had very opposite reactions to the same issue, which I think is pretty yeah. common among men and women in general. 
Also, the uh, the one night stand slam- slamming the uh, bedroom door was also an improv. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I tried. I I got very little out of Tony Goldwyn, <laughs> so I'm taking what I can get. <laughs> But I do think that that was, I mean, honestly, I think apart from her relationship with Marissa Tomei, my my favorite aspect to this film was their relationship because it was, a to me, a perfect example of one of the things I love in this movie, which is the banter between the two of them. They had this very fun, combative relationship. They picked on each other, but there was so much mutual respect there, mm-hmm. and you could see it, even though they picked, you know, they picked fights over stupid stuff, which... My favorite fight they had was over the Hagen Doss ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> um, because he he, he should have known better. Mm-hmm. When he when he came home, as by the way, as she's eating out of a full bag of Oreos and dunking them in milk, to just say that the reason he wasn't interested in the date is because she decided to have dessert after dinner. Right. So, given their relationship, what do you what did y'all think about the aspect of this that she kept secret? So, once her kind of theory took off, and then she took on this secret identity, writing for her friend's paper. I honestly thought it was kind of weird. Why, you know, the only person who knew her her super secret identity was uh, Marissa Tomei, like. Why wouldn't she tell Hugh Jackman, like, hey, I'm writing this thing. Like, my roommates, you know, any roommate I've lived with or dated, I have said, hey, I've got the opportunity to write this thing. And they're like, cool. Well, do you honestly, do you just think it was a poor execution of the fact is for a romantic comedy to work, you have to have a conflict. You have to have had something that caused the relationship, like, a bump in the road. They were living together. That's enough of a conflict, you know, to, in my opinion. I, I think other than maybe some kind of weird conflict of interest, her writing for this magazine and working for the show, which still doesn't make sense to me because lots of ri- people that work on shows have side gigs, um, especially if they live in New York, where it was very important that they filmed there. Um, so... I don't know. It just seemed weird that, you know, it was a big deal that she was writing under a pen name, this thing, and that she wouldn't tell anyone. Like, so my theory and oh, go ahead. I was going to say, look, like you've known me long enough. Anytime I wrote, write anything, they got any kind of traction. I, I didn't shut up about it. <laughs> I think, or, honestly, in the film's defense, the reason she didn't do it is. One, the reason she didn't tell him is she knew what he would think about it. She knew his reaction, and I don't think she wanted to be judged by him. Which, in all fairness, is exactly what he would have done. Because he'd already made his feelings on the theory clear. Yeah. Well, in her defense, all she had to say, hey, it's an extra paycheck. I'm paying you rent. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) But then you don't have a movie. I know, but but here's the thing, like, I think you and I, we watched uh, April Fool's Day, the original, recently together, and you were sitting there like, you know, don't do this, don't do this, and but you're like, but I know if they don't do this, we have a movie. That's every movie, like, if you don't do the thing, they don't have the movie, so. 
Yeah, certain things have to happen to yeah to make the movie flow. Because otherwise, there there are French New Wave films, <laughs> and nothing happens. Before I kind of go into my defense of the film, I want to know, and I guess John, in kind of in particular with you, so what is your where did the movie kind of start to go downhill for you? What is your big gripe with sort of the execution of the story? Here, here's the thing. Much like whenever we ask you, um, whenever you saw a film, my answer is the same. I don't really remember. Like, um, here, recently I just completed the original series of the L Word. Um, because you know, I was it was demanded of me that I finish, um, and I was asked by, by our, our friend Hannah to pinpoint the moment where Jenny Schechter sort of became a monster because Jenny was a character everyone loves to, you know, paint as the villain of that show. And with that, I have a specific answer here. And with this movie, I don't have a specific answer. I think. You know, not to give away my hand, it should have been the first time I paused the movie to dust something. And I couldn't tell you when that was, because my first viewing of this movie took about four hours. Not to give away how I feel. Yeah, I can't, I don't, I don't know, like, to be honest, the movie, I I hated the theory the minute the movie started talking about cows but you like by 10 minutes in this movie you had gotten a text message where i said shit i already have like three best line contenders in a row (laughs) so i i don't know there there's there's no inciting incident here to be honest that i can pinpoint so i get the issue with the i get the issue with the theory and so here's here's kind of my defense and here's what the way I looked at the film and what I liked about it is that's the whole point of the movie. Like you, you're never meant to think that this theory is a good one and it's, it's right. And it's coming from a very flawed place and sort of back to what you were talking about, right. With, with dating and how you perceive it for yourself and what the issue is. And I mean, Mm. I know it was a joke, but my my favorite scene because I think it's I think it I think it encompasses like the whole point of the movie is the the scene where her and Hugh Jackman have their biggest argument and he makes the point that I think is true of so many people that have these kind of theories when it comes to relationships is he said she's she's so angry at Ray for what he did but the and she's got this crazy wild theory about why he did it but the whole time she's going oh but please please you know prove me wrong (laughs) you know she she's she is begging him to prove her wrong and then on the other hand she makes a good point and i think the entire reason for her theory is exactly what she said because if there is not this external source to blame if all men are not the villain then men don't leave all women they just leave her well, and, and then that, that comes was back to rationalization of it. Yeah, and that's Rob's ra- rationalization in the L word. I mean, not fuck the high fidelity. <laughs> it's Rob's <laughs> rationalization of high fidelity. It's just like you know, 
he's a miserable, flawed asshole. Why does every woman leave him? Maybe because he's a miserable, flawed asshole. <laughs> but also, in defense of the theory, I mean, it is the specific comparison to cows, in my opinion, is dumb. But is it any dumber than every theory that's in every relationship self-help book, every issue of Cosmopolitan, or all of these women's, women's magazines and books that try to tell people, this is why your relationship isn't working, when really there is no one theory. There is just, people are complex, some are shitty, some are not, and hopefully... You know, the odds are ever in your favor. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with you, with the exception of he's just not that into you, which is complete and utter gold. It, it's gold, but it's also not 100% accurate. <laughs> Every human relationship, you know, is it relevant to some? Absolutely. Is high fidelity, uh, you know, relevant to some? Yes. It, you know, it's, you know, is men are from Mars, women are from Venus uh, applicable to some situation? Yes. I mean, it, you know, but is it applicable to everyone? No. So, and I, I would have honestly had more respect had she said, I'm writing this. I know it's bullshit, but it's, you know, it's selling you because at least it's honest. Right. And I, I, but the thing is, she didn't come to that conclusion. Until no. after her last interaction with um, with Eddie. Like, that's, I think that's what kind of clued her in. Like, she finally figured it out. But to her. I assume she came to that conclusion after she saw her brother in law, you know, well, yeah, comforting I, the, his wife. You know, that, that was the moment that, where I was like, she saw the light. Yeah, I guess that's true. But I think that I think that both of those interactions kind of clued her in. Like she'd already figured out the reason why she was attracted to the theory, but she I don't think she'd figured out the theory was bullshit until after you're right, until after her sister had the miscarriage. Um It's it's kinda like that moment whenever you hit like level eight Satan and uh you realize that all of this was created by a science fiction author that, that pulled something called Xenu out of his ass. Look, I know we may be about to be sued by the Church of Scientology, but at least we'll have press. <laughs> we'll <laughs> have I, press and Leah Remini on our side. <laughs> and that's, so that's kind of my defense. It's not like this, the, the film tried to defend the theory. I mean, that was sort of the whole point. Is, no. It was just her way of coping with a, a guy who yeah. treated her really poorly. Right, and I never got the impression that the film was saying this theory is the theory that we should be holding on to. It, it was very clear that this is the delusion Ashley Judd leapt to to try to rationalize her situation. For, you know, to, and once again, to compare it to High Fidelity, for, for the same reason Rob jumped to all of his conclusions at the end of the day in that book movie series. Like I said, I, I'm with you, John, on the whole. That when I first started watching this, I was like, oh, I'm going to hate this movie probably. Because mm. the whole thing, because it was very obnoxious at the beginning. Yeah. But that was the point of the movie. And I, I do like how they wrapped it up at the end with it. Because it came from a bitter place. Yeah. But I can understand where her bitterness comes from. Because it was one of those, she put all of her hopes and dreams into it. And it just came crashing down immediately. Yes. 
And as we all know, bitterness, resentment, plus cocaine sometimes create great, sometimes creates great art. See Fleetwood <laughs> Max rumors. <laughs> so, kind of all that being said, what y'all's take on? So, honestly, all three of the main characters in this film are very flawed in different ways. So, given the fact that both, you know, we've sort of talked about what what was going on with her character, but. Between Eddie and Ray, they are both they are both flawed. But which one is? I hate to say worse, but I can't think of a better word. Well, clearly uh, Ray. Ray. Ray is Ray. Ray is a narcissist. Eddie is just someone that's hurt, and he is just not choosing a healthy way of dealing with his hurt. But Eddie is honest with who he is at all times. Yeah. Ray is not. Eddie never once tells you. What tells you anything different what he is See, he he's very blunt and honest about who he is yeah sometimes to a fault yeah sometimes to a fault ray is one of those that just will just tell you what you want to hear for that moment until it's convenient for him to say okay well yeah i don't want that anymore yeah he, he, and he, then he's... when you reject it it's like you're hurting him exactly yeah <laughs> it's all about right his... Like, I, I would never paint the character of Eddie in this movie as a villain or even a bad person. I will 100% do that to Ray. Well, I mean, I think the big difference is Eddie was fully aware of his flaws and yeah. was upfront and honest about them, which people are in general going to have a whole lot more respect for someone who is completely delusional about their issues. Yeah. Which by the which by the way, there I do think there is some kind of interesting parallel between Ashley Judd's character and Greg Kinnear's character. I think they were actually very very similar if you think about it, because they both they both had issues. They were both flawed, and neither one of them had the capability of seeing it until somebody pointed it out to them. Maybe, <laughs> I justice. <laughs> I mean, I'm, no, hold on. I'm not saying they're flawed in the same way. I'm saying yeah. she's also sort of narcissistic in, in which we all do, in her taking her own singular romantic life and assuming that it was applicable to everybody. Yeah. I get, I get what you're saying there. So, yeah, I, yeah. 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 I agree with so that. What so what we're really <laughs> saying... Yeah. So what we're really saying is Eddie is the best person in this movie. Yes. <laughs> Probably. He's at least, he's at least he's, the most honest. Yeah. Maybe followed by the, the talk show host, because as terrible as she is, she's at least honest. That does lead me into our first segment, because we do have a creepier romantic this week. Okay. So, okay. Is it the movie? <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who have not heard an episode where we've had one of these, we do have a segment called Creepier Chromantic. Where um, I kind of mention a scenario and they say whether it's creepy or romantic. Um, Eddie's whole apartment. Mm-hmm. No, that's my oh. question. Oh. <laughs> it's an apartment. <laughs> it just happens to have a giant hole in it. Um, chromantic? <laughs> I'm gonna say somehow neither. Uh, I, I, I did. Wait a minute. It's I just an apartment. 
I, I think I need some explanation of the question. Like, okay, I, 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 I think the first issue is you guys are not viewing that apartment through a female's eyes. Well, no, and there's a reason. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure it out. Because all I see when I saw that apartment is like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Dude. <laughs> No, not that. It screams of a um, sort of misogynistic man whore's lair from the, you know, multiple boxes of condoms in the um, um, cabinet to the... I'm still standing by neither because just because he has a lot of condoms, you know, there are married couples that probably have that many condoms because they don't want to have another kid or they don't want to have a kid together, but they still want to smashy smashy. Um, so also, <laughs> that's fair. Also, it shows that he is at least, you know, trying to, you know, make sure he doesn't pass on or get some some kind of sexually transmitted disease. He's being responsible. It shows responsibility. Also, who knows? He might buy in bulk because he shops at like, you know, what do they have out there? Price Club, Costco, yeah. Costco, yeah, Costco. He got he may have gotten a sale. That's, you know, that's the reason I would buy them in bulk. It's like, look, I got $50 off, okay? I don't also, know. All I also, see, they all were I put see... there by the props department for the laugh. <laughs> all I see is, when I look at that apartment, is, uh, I don't know, exactly what he uses it for. And how desperately it needed a woman's touch. Like, and I did not mean that as a pun. <laughs> oh, there was definitely a woman's touch there. Yeah, also. yeah. That's why I had so many condoms because yeah, of the woman's exactly. touch. <laughs> that was not a euphemism. Uh huh. It, it, it is now. It is now. <laughs> that was your doing, not ours. You, you know, had you not said that last bit of that sentence, had you just stopped at a certain point, we wouldn't be having this this part of the show now. But you did this. You created this. <laughs> God, I walked right into that. <laughs> you walked right into it like women walked right into Eddie's apartment for the first time. <laughs> oh my god. But to answer your question, it it's just an apartment, you know. It, it there's no undead ghost child in there, so it's not creepy and it's, you know, I guess romantic if I have to give if I have to choose one of the two. All right. Okay, <laughs> so I guess we'll move on to our next segment, Best Line, Worst Line, which is the part of the show where we um, talk about the best lines and worst lines. All right, I want to go first this time on Best Line, because I have three. Go for it, so do I. All right, I'm going to get... I, I have three, I'm going to give two, because... I sometimes get mine stolen. Um, I think my actual best, best line came from the, the sister that says, if you can't stick it into a Valencia, how are you going to stick it in my ass? <laughs> Which <laughs> is in reference to a needle for hormones so they can try to get pregnant. But it's just like, that was how you wrote the line? So it's also my worst line because it's such an awful pun to make. But um, I, the, the first line I wrote down was, there's the cynical bitch I know and love. And I just want 
someone to say that to me at some point in my life. <laughs> Who's next? All right, Joseph. I have a couple. I said, uh, whenever she finds out he has a hickey on his neck. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know that's why God invented turtlenecks. He goes, no, that's why God invented Darlene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that wasn't even the line I was thinking. I was thinking I bit myself shaving. <laughs> that was a good one, too. But also, I like it when he's in the, I can't remember what place it is, but a staff member comes up to him and says, excuse me, sir, there is this is a smoke-free building. He's like, blow me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And their banter where uh, he said, he goes up to the girl and says, you left these in my bathroom. She's like, you don't waste any time. He, she goes, <laughs> he said, cynic. She goes, slut. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I like their banter. Their banter was Yeah. And, and it's the banter that like that, it makes me think that they were, they have been friends a while to have that kind of relationship. You know, so where, you can, where you're in a workplace and you can call your coworker a slut and not be immediately in an HR <laughs> meeting. Once again, she called a man a slut. That's okay. We've established this. Uh, that's right. And the double standard uh, we won, according to Hank Hill. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my first one is kind of along the same lines. It's uh, when they're talking, she goes, Eddie, I already know you're an asshole. Mm. I think that, um, yeah, I kind of like all of their banter and their, um, pretty much, pretty much any of that. Um, my other, my other one was, um, that whole conversation and they, that they had in the bar where Shane's is talking about his warped sense of romantic atheism. I just thought yeah. that entire scene in the bar was really well done. Well, I guess since no one picked it, I'm going to say my uh, the third line, the other line I wrote down, which was came from the sister-in-law. I think we kissed romance goodbye when you started jacking off into a cup once a week. <laughs> I love that one too. Yeah. Some of my other ones. I love the sister-in-law and the, I mean the sister and the brother-in-law. Uh, yeah, they're the, they're the true heroes of this movie. <laughs> How we're saying like Eddie's the no, they were no. the best. Okay, so but, sister and brother-in-law tied for one. Eddie, arguably Alan Barkin, Ashley Judd, and then real big drop off to Ray. <laughs> but no, so my um, the only other one that I had was um, when she was talking to the doctor. She goes to the doctor to get her <laughs> to get that uh, part of her her uh, sense of smell taken out. And she's like, if I could just. Short circuit my nose somehow. I might have a chance at a semi-normal life someday. Well, clearly, spoiler alert uh, to everyone that hasn't seen it, she hadn't seen Black Widow. All she had to do was just slam her nose into the desk. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> spoiler alert for Black Widow. <laughs> All right. Does anybody have any worse lines? I really don't because nothing really jumped out as so bad um, not to give away my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there was really a line that really stuck out to me that was bad. It was just sometimes the delivery was a little off in certain areas. Yeah. But, but like nothing that really was just like, oh, that was awful. Was, I, I saw more good lines than I did bad lines. Yeah, to paint this movie a compliment, there, there are a lot of good lines in this movie. So. 
Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't think I have anything either. So. And, and I think it's telling how all, you know, knowing how all three of us feel about this movie before we even got on the call. <laughs> um, the fact that we all have no bad lines. I mean, that's saying something. Yeah. It, it, like I said, the, the movie wasn't extremely, wasn't, wasn't awfully written or anything. It's just some of it has a little bit, the delivery for me was just a little bit on some things, not all. Yeah. It's mostly whenever she's doing her cow theory, where I was just like, some of those lines, yeah. oh, okay. Because that was a so, little off-putting up to me at first. I think that kind of leads into really the next segment, which is our likes and dislikes. And I'll go first, because, I mean, I don't, I don't have a lot just that we haven't talked about. And I really think that kind of the underrated thing in this film is actually the writing. I think not only did I think it was it was good writing, I think it was very intelligently written. Like, the writing has some level of sophistication, especially for this type of film, where that's not always necessarily going to be the case. And then, like like I did mention before, the other thing is, I just, stylistically, I liked how they chose to do it with that sort of, he's just not that into you. It was similar stylistically, it just had a singular focus on one character as opposed to multiple storylines. So, that's really it. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I I like I do like moments in this movie where like I even like the moment where um, Ashley Judd was so into Ray's character she bought him a shirt on the streets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are, there are moments in this movie that I really like, and we pretty much covered most of them. So, and to go ahead and give a spoiler for the next segment, I don't have a lot of worst moments and when we get to my answer on the big question i'll say why okay all right joseph uh really i don't think i have anything that we haven't covered i just really wanted more of the the brother-in-law and the sister that that they 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 need to be in this movie more yeah okay i'm gonna put that down for my worst thing is we don't have enough of brother and sister-in-law that, that's, the, that, that's the thing i love about the movie and at the same time it's the thing i wish the movie would have done more that's, yeah also they, they could have been in there a lot more yeah also more ashley judd cheerleading in her underwear please oh my god it, but also i do really like the relationship between her and mr tomei it was a very sweet relationship it was you can tell yeah. they just like kind of like you could tell Eddie cared about her in a certain way, she cared about her as well, and yeah. the feeling was mutual on both parts. So, Sammy, you should buy the book, read it, and then report back to us. <laughs> okay, good deal. <laughs> I've only got like five Nicholas Sparks books to get through first. Only five, amateur. Uh, <laughs> Joseph, did you have anything for, or did we cover? No, no I think we covered it pretty much. I don't really have anything. Like kind of like I'm, I feel what Sammy said. It was just like some of her attitudes and everything just kind of makes her a little bit unlikable. Yeah. And some of her actions, but it's very small. So before we get into the big question, I have a question I want to ask because it's specific to this movie. Does so? What happens next at their job? Because they both walk out in the middle of a show. She derails it by revealing herself as this author. Like, does she still have a job on Monday? No. You, you think no? She slept with the um, 
the host's boyfriend. I doubt it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. Yeah. But D- does Eddie have a job on Monday? <laughs> Probably. Because yeah. so, he slept with the boss to get the job. Eddie didn't sleep with the boss, did he? And No, I was just making a joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I know I checked out a couple of times. I, don't know. I feel like that would have stood out at a certain point. Also, that would have made him and uh, Ray Eskimo brothers. That's God. That's very true. <laughs> just decided. All Don't right, worry, so I do what? No, no, I was asking. Do you have anything? N- n- no, um, I I don't, and we're, we're about to get into why. <laughs> Alrighty, so I guess we'll get into our final segment. I'm gonna go, go ahead and start with y'all because it's not as obvious as it is with me. Um, John, did you survive? No, and. Here's the thing. The reason I don't have a lot of that I had some best, but I don't have a lot of worse is because this movie didn't make me feel a lot of things because it took me four hours to watch this movie the first time. And I only watched it twice, once with commentary. Um, And I checked out of that. This movie failed to hold my attention a lot of the time to where I knew I had to stop it to do something so I could, you know, get my brain back into accepting the movie. So this is not a, an atrocity of a movie. There is no search for a corpse to put a brain into the, you know, put a brain into it so we can resurrect a dead teenager. There is no woman been dead the entire time. There's been, you know, whatever Sammy's uh, problem with sleepaway camp is level of, hatred in this movie for me it's just boring i thought this movie was boring so i don't the reason i don't have anything is because it didn't engage me enough to be angry or you know you know right what what whatever the feeling this movie was supposed to give me so this movie is just there like it's not an offensive movie it is cliche on top of cliche and I sang this looking directly at a Friday the 13th box set. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, so I know that's not a good argument. It's just this movie didn't do anything for me. So it's a it's barely not survived. But the, the love fest had to come to an end at a certain point. And it, for me, it happened here. All right. Hey, Joseph. Yeah, I'm. I have to say, I wasn't sure when I first started watching this movie, but after getting through it and everything, I was just like, you know, this wasn't bad. Not bad by any means. It was, you know, I survived it. Now, is it one I'm going to watch again? Probably not. But there are some great lines in it that I do like. And there's some moments I really like. It's just, you know, but again, it's just one of those. It was a nice watch. I'm glad I watched it. Just, but it's not something I'm going to go back to. You want a DVD of it? I, can, I know where you can get one cheap. <laughs> Game exchange? <laughs> Cheaper. <laughs> oh, is it you for free? <laughs> that was the joke. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go ahead and um, let everybody off the hook. And I know everybody's just dying in anticipation. 
You hated this movie, didn't you? <laughs> I did. No. Obviously, did I survived like this. <laughs> Obviously, I survived this film. I'm sorry. It's just, you know, I mean, you put Hugh Jackman in a romantic comedy, it's going to be really hard for you to lose with me. It just is. And this this one kind of hit all of the the tropes that I liked. Like, it was... I don't know. They had really great banter and it was really fun. In fact, the only thing I did not care for was really how they wrapped it up. I didn't think that the the actual ending was very good. Her sort of apology. I don't know. It, it lacked something for me. Um, but apart from that, yeah, it was solid. Is it is it one of my favorites? No, but it's it is one I watch on occasion. All right. Well, does anyone have anything they want to plug or talk about this week um yeah the only thing is i started watching the gossip girl reboot Um, is it very gossipy it is very gossipy the only one of the only similarities it has to the original is kristen bell is still gossip girl um the voice um the major difference in this one being that you know who gossip girl is from the get um which I actually kind of like that they chose to go that route. And I, I think they did a good job making this distinct enough that it's, it's really its own thing. And I think that was a smart move because had they tried to be the original, they would have epically failed. That is personally one of my all-time favorite shows, and you just cannot compete with the original. Yeah. Sort of the way that uh, after MASH was not as good as MASH. Right. <laughs> and I'm going to we now have on recording you comparing Gossip Girl to MASH so I'm just going to say that well MASH is a good <laughs> show someone like you to high fidelity yeah <laughs> well it was there <laughs> so to anyway quote, it's, it's to work <laughs> to quote clerks too Helen Keller could have seen this <laughs> Um, oh wait, no, yeah, shit! I actually got that fuck, the fucking historical thing correct. Shit, it was Anne Frank. God damn. Uh. So basically, uh, to sum it up, like every reboot of any beloved television show ever, is it as good as the original? Of course not. Is it watchable? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with it. It has, it has yet to offend me, and it's still interesting enough that it's holding my attention. So I will give it that. Well, um, I got a quick uh, movie review. If you guys are down for it, that's mm-hmm. not a chick. That's probably arguably not a chick flick, uh, and I don't want to do it as a manly movie of the month. But I saw Old, the new film uh, from. Uh, famed director and doer of no wrong in this universe, M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> so, um, so I kind of have a mixed relationship with M. Night. I think his career started out strong and then took a ripping line of cocaine somewhere along the way and went off the rails. Um, he, for me, he has peaks and valleys, and there are some films I have been very harsh on that I do think I need to go back and reevaluate, which I know this is going to shock you. Signs is not one of those I'm, I feel like I've been super harsh because I do like that movie up until the reveal of what kills the aliens, and then my brain will not accept the, that the aliens lived long enough to get to that point. But everything about that movie I do think is solid. Um, 
I, I think Shyamalan is a great ideas man. Uh, and what was interesting about this is based on a graphic novel that I didn't know existed until of uh, like a week ago. <laughs> whenever like in the lead up to this movie coming out so i did kind of go into high hopes um i was going to say uh, you know it would be interesting to see what m night does with someone else's property instead of you know an original idea but uh, there's an avatar shaped uh reason why that should have been a uh giant blinking red light like a railroad crossing <laughs> um so the the point of the movie is that uh, all these people end up on this beach, uh, on this private beach, uh, taken there by this resort, uh, and everyone starts aging like a year every half hour. So uh, the movie does the math for you. So if you're there for 24 hours, you're going to age 50 years in that time span. And it's a very cool concept. It's a very uh, unique. I think it's M. Night's best looking movie to date. Um, because it's not as dark and drab as some of his other stuff. Uh, it's very nice and bright and light. Uh, there is some great body horror stuff in this. There are some genuine moments of suspense. All of this is leading up to me saying this is my current worst film of the year. And the reason for that is, is and I had a great concept in hand, and he kind of killed it but with very stilted wooden dialogue that in turn is has his actors which is a very good international cast of people that are very good actors i've seen in in other films and they have been great but they give these stiff wooden performances and i wonder if a lot of this is from the source material i'm willing to accept that maybe m night could have been trying to be too faithful but there's a lot of stuff that, that works in the book that doesn't work on screen but I just, I wanted to like this movie. I wanted to come out and say, yes, M. Night's back. And a lot of people are saying that, that this is his best film in years. For me, I just, I, I was so ready for, for at the end, like whenever it was like in the third part of the reveal at the end, I was like, is this movie still going? Uh, talking about another movie that has pace issues, like the one we just talked about. That, that's how I felt in this. But our friend that I saw him with liked the movie. He thought it was fine. So I would honestly be curious to hear what you two thought about it. Like, for me, it is the worst thing I've seen this year. That is just because I haven't gotten enough Miranda Lambert wine in me to uh, click on click play on Tom and Jerry. Because <laughs> it's on <laughs> HBO Max. <laughs> And I know if I do that, I, I'm sorted. I just am not emotionally ready to do that to myself yet. So I, I was, I was just very disappointed in this movie. And who knows? In a few years, I might reevaluate it and see something that's not there, and it's, that I didn't see this first time. But for now, this this is my uh, worst of the year to date. <laughs> And it's a shame. I didn't want to say that. I did not want to say that at the end of when I walked out, but I, that's just how I felt. All righty, John. Uh, Joseph. <laughs> but, but, is it the worst film I'm going to see this week? Because we have Sammy's next manly movie of the month coming up, and we are going into the, the, the uh, Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson movie that is not Wedding Crashers. Sammy, what are you doing to us? 
So this week is the internship. The movie and not just the search for Sammy's replacement. <laughs> <laughs> Might be both. Kid. Depends on the reaction. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this movie has been sitting on my, like, no, where I have my TV alert, for actually, a week. <laughs> Sammy might remember when she saw this movie. That never happens. I know. Well, this is the movie that has been sitting on top of my TV for like a, a month now. And I'm so ready to see both cuts of this movie. I have to watch this movie twice to tell the differences between the PG-13 cut and the salacious unrated cut. Like, what was so scandalous that they couldn't bribe the MPAA just to let it pass? A spoiler alert, not a lot. Shocked. Absolutely shocked. (laughs) Get ready for the conversation of John. Did you notice the difference? Absolutely fucking not. I did not. (laughs) So, yeah, that's uh, our next episode. And I just want to say apologies to our listeners. I know our release schedule has been weird, but we all have kind of had live things going on but we're getting back on track (laughs) you know if you're hearing this we got it back on track (laughs) allegedly so also if you want to work for free and be our editor go (laughs) applications can be sent to our email at surviving at gmail.com also if you like what you heard please give us a five-star rating on things like apple Podcasts. it helps our it helps us get noticed uh, if this is your first time hearing us, uh, you know, be sure to like and subscribe. Go check out those old episodes where we back used to tell you what a chick flick was, and we don't do that anymore. <laughs> um, like us on Facebook, uh, like us on Twitter. Uh, it's really just my Twitter. Uh, Sammy's got Instagram and TikTok going on. Plus, she's doing the YouTube. Have we ha- have we put up anything lately on YouTube? So the last thing we have on there is a promising young woman, and we have. Actually, no, I take it back. We have, I will have to, um, I'd have to look. I don't know what the most recent thing we have up there is, but we have something new coming up this week. Okay, cool. All right. Well, and Joseph and Sammy, thank you for once again doing the show. And until next week, you are not a cow. Surviving Chick Flicks is created and hosted by John Baggett and Samantha McDaniel. Our audio engineer and editor is Cody McLean. For an ad-free version of the show, please visit patreon.com slash survivingchickflicks, where $5 a month gets you an ad-free version of the show, as well as our manly movie of the month. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. All opinions are that of the hosts, and no copyright infringements are intended. Surviving Chick Flicks is a Circle of Jug production, all rights reserved. Banana slugs. <laughs> Actually, hermaphrodites. While mating, the males chew each other's penises off. I worry about you, Jane. I really do. <laughs>